Hey, this is Robert Carter, and you're listening to the Bladeology Podcast. All right, we're going to jump into it this week like we normally do. Welcome to another episode of the Bladeology Podcast. We are live in Portland, Oregon this week with the Touch Knives crew. We've got uh, Bill and Eric with us in person. Uh, Elijah and myself are up in Portland. Nick is uh, at the shop on Staten Island, and we're going to have these guys on today, and we're going we're to talk about all the awesome stuff they're doing uh, recently, and we're going to talk about some historical stuff, and hopefully it's going to be totally awesome. Uh, we are in two separate rooms. Uh, well, three, because Nick's here. Yeah, yeah, technically. <laughs> three, three separate rooms, but it, it's going to be great. Uh, in any case, we'll we'll do the we'll do the roundtable introductions. This is Jeremiah Burbank from PVK Vegas. Nick Chuprin of NCC Knives. Elijah Isham of Isham Bladeworks. Eric Touch Touch Knives. And I am your host tonight, speaking to you from the grand ballroom of the uh, Portland Ledge. William Touch. Very cool. Um, all right, so let's let's get into it. Uh, Bill, I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off with you. Uh, so tell us, um, how did this? How did we get here? How, how did we get to this this point in time? Uh, you've been making knives for a very long time, uh, but how how did that really? How did that start? Uh, how did it start? It started with me trying to buy a knife. Um, my. Uh anniversary had happened or was happening it was a 20th wedding anniversary and i'd gotten my wife eric's mom something and she wanted to get me something and i didn't have anything to tell her to get me so um i just kept blowing it off and finally one night some kids got in my car and they uh, took a broken disc man if you do you remember back then when they had disc mans they had this round thing you put inside a player and you had headphones mm-hmm. like a, um, like a cd yeah, like a, yeah, kind of like a CD. Like an actual yeah. CD-ROM. Like an actual CD-ROM. Exactly. And uh, they those, br- those round and shiny things. <clears throat> yeah, it was my uh, Now Music 16 was stolen along <laughs> with with the Kershaw pocket knife that my dad used to carry every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was stolen, but I, I found it a few, you know, a while later. But anyway, it got me a got me a new cool knife because uh, my one next time uh, Eric's mom asked me what I wanted for our anniversary, I said I could use a new pocket knife. And she told me, well, you know, get on the internet and find something cool. And that's like, uh, really? You're telling someone to yeah. go buy a cool knife? <laughs> so um, I'd been to the mall ninja stores and I'd seen these cool um, um, hidden mechanism knives uh, that were being made by, I, I think it was Lone Wolf Valentin. And so I looked it up on the computer, and I found this other one called a Baladin Chameleon that I thought was the coolest knife. And I wanted one, but I couldn't find one. So, <laughs> you know, after looking around and looking around, I finally was able to locate the company's name, this Baladin Knife Company. I was able to locate their name and their number through an organization called Oregon Knife Collectors Association, OCA. Well, I uh, called the number and the person answered the phone and says, hello. And I said, is this Valid Knife Company? And he says, yep. 
this is Butch. And it kind of dawned on me at that moment that people actually make knives, not just, you know, big factories and machines. Well, we got talking and kind of talked too long. We talked for, I don't know, four and a half, five hours and found out we had some of the same friends. Uh, we used to live in the Bay Area and had friends from my uh, professional fishing days. And um, we had friends, we, we knew the same people. Um, he invited me down. I wasn't doing anything but being Mr. Mom at the time after moving to Portland. And I went down uh, next day or a couple days later after making the kids lunches to get them to school and spent all day down there with him. He's showing me this and I'm showing him, you know, some other techniques from my, you know, metal career. I was in the metal fabrication business. Um, and then uh, gave him a $100 deposit. He gave me a receipt, and as I was leaving, I said, so when can I expect that, that knife might be finished? His reply was, well, uh, when are you going to be back to work on it? And that's how I started making knives, by going to Butch's shop and working and learning from Butch and Rainey and everyone at their shop. So that, that's pretty awesome. So at that point, the, the Valens were all... All present and accounted for at the shop, making knives full time. That must have been kind of just before or at the height of their original popularity. Um, yeah, I think they just uh, finished doing the SOCOM knives, and uh, um, you know, I really didn't know much about the knife community, the knife makers. I didn't really know anything except what would, what I was seeing in that shop. Hmm. Um, I, 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 would, I knew nothing. I was, I was an absolute virgin to the community. Now, wow. I remember, now, I remember the last time you said the story, you actually never ended up getting that knife. No, I never did. I never did. And, so the, he, knives, and the knives I made there, we sold at the uh, Oregon Knife Collector's show. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I came out of it with one knife. Um, and that's my very first knife. And it's actually marked with a belt and insignia. And you and still got it, don't you? You still got it. Yeah, got it so the, uh, damn ugly. <laughs> it's not ugly. It's pretty good. It was my first knife. It was an assisted opener. Which is pretty Yeah, wait. Crazy. Yeah, you showed us that. That, that, that was first actually nice yeah. Assist. Yeah. yeah, big huh. and clunky and ugly. Yeah, it's just, it's very tactile. <laughs> well, yeah, I had yeah. to hide the mistakes. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, right. The, the, famous, the famous description of, of file work. Yeah, yeah. file work's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, file work is there to hide things. Yeah, not always, but that's how you hide the fucked up plunge lines, the uneven grinds. Yeah, gaps usually gaps. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you say file work, the backspacers. Yep. Yeah. File work. Um, there's some really cool patterns in file work, and it's fun yeah. to take a piece of paper and, and draw them out you draw straight line cuts this way draw you know circular or half circle cuts or crescent cuts mm-hmm. and you know put you know three pieces or do a double liner and, and put five pieces together and see what kind of, of fine patterns you can come up with you can come up with some pretty crazy stuff geometrical patterns as well now you didn't really mention around what year was this that you you actually met butch and then when you finished your first knives this was, uh, um, it was, I, I'm, I'm thinking it was early 2004. 
It was so, like it was like spring of two thousand four. It was the twentieth wedding anniversary, so eighty four yeah. to two thousand four. Yeah. So now, now at this point, I remember like before you said you, you were a manufacturer, you were working in the metals industry. Uh, well, what point did you go full time knife maker? Were you doing it part time for a couple of years, or how did that go? Well, it went like this: I had about four knives ready to go, and Butch told me, "Hey, get your knives ready. We're going to the uh, Oka show in Eugene." And I said, "Okay," and. Really? He says, yep, everything in the shop's for sale. So I cleaned them all up, got them ready to go, put them out on the table, and they sold. And I said, why? You've got your knives out. Rain's got his knives here. And, you know, there's people in this room been making knives forever. Why would they buy mine? And Butch told me to walk around the room and take a look and pick up knives and actually look closely at them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, look at the things that he taught me, things about, you know, spacing and gaps and geometry and, you know, just being clean and things being even. And um, I went back to him. I said, okay, I, I understand. I said, what do I do now? He said, well, go home, clean out your garage, set up a shop, and get the hell out of mine. Buy your own grinder. You know, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. I was full-time from that point on. Oh, so as soon really... as you as soon as you moved out of the shop, you were you were full time. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything else. I I had gone into uh, into a uh, took some computer courses to become a, a Cisco certified technician and and a few other things. And you know, the bottom out, fell out of the market at that point. And I went from looking at hey, I come out of school and have a job for you know forty eight to fifty two thousand dollars, starting with no experience to. Uh, Guys with 26 years' experience were taking jobs for $22,000 a year. So, yeah, I was pretty much in a position where it was either that or wait tables. Well, so, like, you picked the Which right you course. did, too. <laughs> Which I did, too. <laughs> Which I came and helped uh, bus yeah. tables at and everything. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> I never made any tips, though. What the hell? Milkshake yeah, once I... in a while. That was about it. That was that's because you're that talking about. Well, that's because yeah, your dad was fighting yeah, that's because yeah, your dad right? was hiding it. Concealing <laughs> that income, you know. <laughs> um, um, okay, so now where do you go from here? Uh, you 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 set up shop. You set up shop at your own house. That's um, a so shop. I was, still about two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah, I was making making switchblades, and I was on uh, uh, what was it? Um, Knives and guns forum, and they had a chat room there. And would uh, I'd go into the chat room? There was a guy named Tim Herman who I always used to talk to. Didn't really know anything about Tim. Only he was always there, and we we got along really well. We we'd talk a lot. And we were the only ones in there. One day I'd posted a knife, picture of a knife that I had finished that I was trying to sell, and he told me he'd like to see it. So I sent it to him, and. Um, he, uh, he checked it out and sent it back to me, and he called me and says, um, that's a really nice knife, a little double action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he says, um, so uh, you taught me a really valuable lesson at that point. Nah, I don't want to talk about that. Why not? Come on, you got to. No. If it was a valuable lesson, it's probably worth talking it's, about, right? it's more It's more a business thing than anything else. Well. But, um, right. you know. Oh, he he asked me if I wanted to trade knives with him. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, me being polite, said, yeah, sure, Tim, we can trade knives. And mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know who this guy was. And so I called up Butch and I said, hey, Butch, uh, you ever trade knives with other knife makers? He goes, you know, we talk about it a lot, but we never really have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. He goes, someone want to trade knives with me? I said, yeah, some guy named Tim Herman. And he says, Tim Herman wants to trade knives with you? And I said, yeah, why? Who's Tim Herman? <laughs> and so he ran through his list of accolades. Oh, he's one of the best in the world. He's AKI. He's this. He's that. Blah, 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 blah. And um, so I learned who Tim Herman was. Well, Tim and I continued to be friends, and it seemed like, you know, probably it was just probably a few weeks after that, Tim said, hey, I'm going to come visit you. And I said, cool. And he bought a ticket, and he flew out, and he stayed with us, and um, spent about three, three and a half weeks at the house. And we did yeah, Going we, to get yeah. five-gallon buckets full of voodoo donuts yeah, with we Captain Crunch on top. Yeah, we were buying, buying, <laughs> buying our... our huh. what, Five dollar buckets of voodoo donuts. This oh, is before. God, this gross. is this is the old times. Now one donut's five bucks. Yeah. Well, these these are the donuts at the end of the night when they're the day olds or whatever. Oh, okay. When they're just throwing them out they're again. You know, you, you just go yep. and, and fill yeah. up and, and have a bucket full. Yeah. Tim Tim loved that one. I remember he, that. He also he also loved the steaks over at the Acropolis. You know, so he'd always say, hey, let's, go get, let's, things, go, yeah. let's go get a steak. Let's go. Yeah, it was always, let's go get a steak. Let's go get a steak. He didn't go for the steak. Steak's good, though. Whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, a solid steak. steak yeah. It's solid. It's solid. You know, it was, it, back then it was five bucks. You know, five bucks for a, for, a, for a sirloin with a, with a salad and a, and a baked potato. Yeah, that was a pretty good deal. Now it's probably like a $10 steak. I actually think last time I was over there, I think it was only six. It was, yeah, they only they've only gone up to six. Is it really like, like not really? Like, like, it's like, it's like a six ounce piece of steak, you know. Like <laughs> Look, a, to be honest, the steaks I buy cost more than that. I would not trust the cooked six dollar steak with sides. Well, okay. In any case, but the the voodoo donuts thing. So so Tim was hanging out with you at the at the shop. Tim was teaching hanging out stuff. with us, and and it's funny because the first knife that we built together was a Blue Damascus Sparrowhawk double action scale release knife that we, I was doing way back then. Was it a full size? Mm. It so was I the same size as the Sparrowhawk that I'm I'm doing now. Oh so, shit! Is that right? Yeah, but it was a side and sear mechanism. It wasn't. It was, it wasn't it was a different. It was a different mechanism. Not top sear. It, it was a side sear. It's not the new Eclipse sear. But um, it. Um, he taught me to carve. He showed me how to carve a flute on that knife, and that's that's where I learned how to carve a flute. Wow. Oh, I remember you, you telling me the guy came by, showed you how to make one flute, and you figured it out. That's the guy. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty much it. And you just took it from there and kept. Yeah, he showed me how to do it, and I and and yeah. we worked together on it, and you know he helped me get through. You know, there were four flutes on that knife, or five flutes on that knife on each side. Um, no, all together. Oh, okay. Well. I think there were two. Yeah, there were there were like six flutes. One no, along four, the spine, four flutes. All... Yeah, four flutes yeah. on that knife. Hmm. And that's where I learned to carve and then I took it from there. And you know, you go from, from learning how to do a straight flute and get it polished and get it cleaned up to um uh, sort of some curvy stuff. Doing curvy stuff, stacking them, putting one on top, learning how to keep your lines crisp and what'd you call the uh one that they they cross over each other. You got to count the. Uh, oh the yeah, when when you, you when you crisscross, I there you have one pattern where I. Oh. 
crisscross sure. applesauce. Yeah, I do a circuit. I, I do it. I do a round flute crossing, and then there's two triangular flutes on each side of that round flute. And when you crisscross them all, you end up with these four little diamonds. And to make those diamonds just right, you actually have to count your strokes with the sandpaper as you're finishing it. And you're talking uh -huh. about like hundreds of, of strokes. You were talking thousands of strokes. Okay, well, wow. Yeah. That's all done by hand, 8,000 grit, polished, because if you hit that with a buffer, those little triangles disappear. Yeah, they, they go away pretty quick. Yeah, they're pretty fine. Tim also got you into doing more than just switch plays, though. He was doing I, the lockbacks and the taper pin lockbacks and the, the side locks. And... Yep. He sure did. It's kind of an interesting lineage because uh, um, Steve Hole taught Tim Herman how to build lockbacks. Uh, Tim Herman taught Wolfgang Lorschner how to do lockbacks, mm -hmm. and Wolfgang taught Tim how to do fluting. Wow, how to do like the carving. The whole, the whole class was there. So, yeah, so I learned from Tim how to do the lockbacks wow. that he learned from Tim Hull and taught Wolfgang. And he also taught me the carving that he had learned from Wolfgang. So all those guys kind of came out of the same school. That's, it's, all, it's all the same school. Hmm. Now, as far as the timeline goes, was that all happening like relatively close to each other? Or was that that had happened and then that Tim was, was like, teaching you years later? Like, what were... Us, give us an idea when that was. I think that was like the summer of 2006 or 2000. Relative to the other. Yeah, you know, I'm old. I can't keep track of the dates. I should have kept a diary, but I didn't. I could probably go back on my computer and look at the dates on the photographs. Don't probably... worry about it, Bill. Get it next time. It's all right. <laughs> go back on it. Emails. Yeah. I'm glad you're editing this. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not editing that. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Anytime you mention editing, it doesn't get edited. And so if I want yeah, you to edit no, something, I have to say, yeah. like, fuck, 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 fuck. And then no, you have to fine. edit that no, out. That's fine. No, it'll be in there, too. It's not, it's not PG-13. <laughs> so so you, were learning, you were learning this stuff, then you developed your style, uh, and then you kept going, and you, you pushed the limits, and you were, like, challenging yourself when it came to art knives. And then you were you're talking about lockbacks. So, I mean, a lot of your art knives are, in fact... Manual folders. Yeah, that's the lockback. Right. Manual folder. Yeah, some of them, they started out as uh, side locks. First, I did side locks. Well, what, what about just a, a liner lock or a frame lock that wasn't dual action? That's also a manual folder. Or they're just... frame lock art knives. Well, I guess you could do just, Nick, I guess you can do anything as, a, as, a, as an art knife. You know, uh, a frame lock would be really easy because you'd only have to do half the knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, that's, exactly. that's, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got a DM yesterday. Plain and nasty and dark tie. It's like finished. Yeah, it's like it's like Rainlock Alex is only half a knife, and then you look at the guy, the poor guys who do ballad songs. They're building two knives. You yeah, know, you do everything twice. Yep. Yeah, but I I know uh, what's I got did a pre order the other day, and a guy uh, DMs me. He's like, hey, are the pivot collar options and the milling pattern options are they on one side or both sides? I'm like. Of course, both sides. One size for quitters. I never understood when guys just machine the like mill one pattern or or carve one side. Even if it's a frame lock, you can still carve the other side. Push Shit. it to the He's limit. Killing man. my game on this switchblade I'm building right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you carve only one side, Bill? 
No, I actually did carve two, but the original plan was not to carve the second the backside. No, I got that DM from the guy, and I'm like, no, of course, one side's for quitters. I'm like, and I'm like, I've never seen a one-sided pivot car. And he sent me a photo of a knife, and I was like, oh, okay, um, never mind. Hmm. <coughs> what? <coughs> I tell you what, when you're machining and you're doing two sides, that's not so bad. But when you're doing hand carving, the first side you do is simple, man. It's so easy. It flows. Everything's so beautiful. And then you then you got to turn it over and you got to do the other side and make it match. And you got to match it up. That's the hard side. Yeah. And then you got to come back and you got to do the other side again because it isn't going to match. So yeah. you got to go back and forth a few times so you get everything even. You got to bring them up to the same level and then they then they still don't really match, but they have to match to the eye. Yeah, they have to really match to you know when you're uh, when you're selling a knife for ten thousand dollars. You better make damn sure they you know, match. That's, that's made out of. 440C and 416 stainless steel. It, right, so that's that that's better. the other thing is it's not on. all the value is time at that right, point. Right, exactly. So I mean, there's there's a delineation there of, of these are not art knives are not like uh, dress Damascus, Timascus. No, these are no, we're talking about steel that's been like beautified, basically. It's not the material; it's the work. It's, it's right. the handwork. It's uh, it's not even titanium, Bill. Come on, it's not even titanium. No, actually, 416 in bar form is a hell of a lot harder to get than titanium. <laughs> Nowadays, probably, right? <coughs> but, uh... Oh, you've got a no, lifetime I, supply last. Yeah, I did. I got a good score on that stuff. So. Wait, what um, do you use in bar, the bar stock for, though? Oh, like flat bar. For the mind. scales. I'm thinking round, no, I was thinking round bar. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, with the, with the art knives, you know, it's... Um, you, you, you really chase a vision you chase something in your mind's eye and mm. you lose track of time and you don't realize that you just put 400 hours into a piece that you're never going to <coughs> be able to get paid for it's you a never, passion project yeah, sure. it, yeah. you know you you, you know, when you when you when you look at the end of the year and you go shit i've only built five knives this year mm. and you were working every single day all that matters is if your love what do you do? No, it matters that your bill is paid. <laughs> <laughs> you can cover your bills. That kind of helps a little yeah. bit. <laughs> uh, so you're, I've you're always I've always paid I've always paid rent for my shop. I've you know I only worked out of the house for a very short time. Mm -hmm. But Bill, when you're when you're saying four hundred hours, um, now that's an outstanding piece, or or that's that's like a regular like what where does that fall on on, on a line like. Uh, what's the standard art knife for you at that time? I mean, is 400 hours regular or is uh, that 400, 400 was a lot. No, okay. um, you know, right. um, you know, a, a lot of the art knives would, would have about, about 180 to 220 hours in them. The big pieces, the special pieces, you could go up over 400 hours very easily. You know, like what you're talking about with the crisscross patterns, um, they're, they're so difficult. They're so time-consuming. Everything has to be done so so cautiously. There's so much thinking time involved because every time you put that file to the metal, you have to be just right. Mm -hmm. um, there's, it, there's, it's a confidence thing, man. You might walk into the shop one day, and you're looking at your work, and you've, you've got your tools in your hand, and you just can't touch your work. 
because you're afraid you're going to screw it up because you don't you have already the have 200 hours in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like it anything like you do right now is is a new is a new design, and you don't have time. Really you don't easy have to throw away two weeks of labor when you're doing handmade work like this. Bill, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right now, I'm working on a knife where I made the titanium Damascus and I made the stainless Damascus. And, like, I don't even want to work on it. It just lying there. I'm like, if I fuck up anything, it's not like it's just the titanium Wait a second. Knife. Wait a second. You're, you're, making ti- you're making titanium Damascus? Well, yeah, I made a couple builds of both, but there's a folder I'm working on that has both of my materials. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Let's get back to that. And you haven't sent me any? <laughs> I, still, I still need to make my own knife with it. Hey, 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 I don't hey, care. Hey, hey. I come first. No excuses. Pass it no over. Excuses. <laughs> Damn it. No, but I know I know exactly me because I'm like, if I fuck that up, usually I could just pull off another piece of titanium. No, I'm, good, look, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on my phone right now. I'm PayPaling you some postage. Okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Just the postage. Just, just the postage. postage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I expected that, that bill excuses. will be in the mail as soon as possible. Now there's we'll no s- excuse. You can't yeah, say we'll you broke your We'll send your shoes back stamp. too, Nick. Uh, I think we got a pair of your Nikes here. Yeah, and, and I'll give you your Nikes. No, those, 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 those are garbage. That, that, was some, that was when they got soaked for fishing. But besides the point, yeah, I'm, I keep looking at that knife. I'm like, I don't even want to grind it. Because if I fuck that up out of nervousness, I'm be like, well, there goes like a week in materials, not even the knife. Dude, send it to me. I'll grind it for you. Yeah, no, it's okay. I, I don't have that connection to it. I won't be nervous at all. Exactly. I'll, just, I'll, I'll put on <laughs> I'll put on a twenty grit belt and I'll just I'll go for it, it man. I got you. Next time you gotta do that crisscross applesauce. I got you. I got I, I got a Dremel. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> so so during the art knife, uh, during during your art knife sort of endeavor, really, the materials were four sixteen and and what was the blade steel? 440C. 440C. For the most part, you, you use stainless Damascus, carbon Damascus for sometimes. And, yeah, and I did, some I did use with Damascus and, and hmm. inlay with different materials, yeah. Pearl and lapis and, and, but and then, other natural material. Yeah, we right. We were going over the stones today. I mean, we're talking about, uh, like, steel. For the most part, steel and natural materials. So, no, you would never put carbon fiber in an art knife, for instance. Or would you? You take a look at a page full of pictures of art knives, and you see a lot of different uses of material. All kinds of material, like not like you see, you, stuff, you like see, man-made. you see all sorts. You see gold, you see pearl, you see um, <coughs> all different. <coughs> Using composite materials doesn't doesn't declassify but, a knife as, okay. as an art knife. As an art knife, but but they use different materials, and they layer materials, and they do this, that, the other. But my big thing was, what can you do with a black and white knife? If you take a piece of plain stainless steel, 440C polishes, it cleans mm-hmm. up, it's, it's just very clean material, it's, it's a good cutting material, it's not one of the new super steels, um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's about the same as D2 with, with a couple percent more of uh, chromium. 440C? Yep, yeah. and it, it's always been a good cutter. Um, I mean, polishes well. The reason polishes well and it's clean. It's because people don't have it well. It's all in the heat treat. Yeah, it's all nobody knows how to heat treat it properly. Like, you know, it's all in the heat treat. If you heat treat and temper something properly, it's going to do very well. Um, but when you take something like 154 and you put a fine finish on it, you're looking at it going, What are those marks? and you realize that you're looking at the grain structure of the metal and it's just filthy. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes away from the piece. So I went with material, um, that I considered the cleanest. Mm-hmm. Well, and if it weren't 4040C, today it would be RWL. Yep, RWL seems to okay. have uh, replaced it in a way. Like a lot, I see a lot of 
Like you see a lot of mirror polish stuff in the Artaville. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's hmm. not. There's there, there's many steels equivalent to 440. Start going 154 cm or WL. Uh, it's it's the way it's made for the grain structure, what really affects the mirror polish finish that he's talking take about. 150, you take 154 right. cm and you polish and you put a really fine satin finish, say a 1200 satin finish on it, you're going to see the grain. It's going to look like Damascus. You're going to yeah. see through it. You, you, you see, see right through, through the finish and you see the metal. Then you take something like CPM 154, which is the same composition, but it's a different it's, process. It's, it's the same thing. Really? In, in, at those it levels? Is. Yeah, 154 really? is 154. Like, I've, I, I've, I've broken them up, and like huh. I could see the difference in the grain structure. Now, as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to use 154, if you can find the old ATS, that would be the better material to use. Hmm. They're, yeah, they're, all, they're, they're talking about the, for carving or just in general? It's a better. Just, just no, it's general. about polishing. <laughs> Cleanliness. I mean, 154 and ATS were, about, were very similar performing materials. Um, the Hitachi ATS, uh, but the ATS had a had a tighter grain structure and was cleaner when you finished it. Yeah, well, seems like 420 mirrors up like real good. It looks like a damn mirror when yeah. you finish with it. Yeah, especially when well, you do it by hand. You do it. Well, take it to an look at look at Gil Hibbins pieces. I mean, look. I mean, there you go. Well, 420 doesn't have that many carbides in it. The car when the carbides the car in the 420? steel. Yeah, no, not as much as a lot of other steels. There's obviously carbides in it. Uh, from my understanding, the biggest, the biggest grain in the steel is the carbides, and that's what you're seeing on these rougher steels. Um, like it's, having... it's, it's, it's carbides, it's vanadium, it's it. There's, there's extra lots of stuff that's in these materials, and the super steels are even, even, even worse. You know, to to get a proper polish on, on, what M390 on, um. What well, kind of goes against like what the purpose of that steel S30 would be? S35. It's very because well, it's like a it's a hard cutting steel, so it's not really right. meant to be mirror polished. Oh, like the crucible and carpenter steels are all right. I don't think that anybody intended those to be. Uh, it's like a hard, artfully polished hard use steel. Yeah, it's a hard. That's a tactical knife. That I think that's probably more of a tactical knife uh, steel. But also, to, to just go back for a second, um, the blades you are doing. Um, people really should take time to, to look up um, Bill's work at that time that we're talking about. But you're talking about like a mirror polished like, <coughs> uh, flute or fuller with like satin finish. I mean, you combine different finishes, which is why it's so important uh, that the grain structure in the steel be correct. Oh, yeah. Some of my knives had, had eight, nine, ten different finishes on them. And they, they they weren't really deceptible to the you know to someone just looking at it. They couldn't just say, "Oh man, look at all those finishes." But what they would do is they would combine to create a feel, a silkiness or a roughness or you know some sort of tactile experience for the eyes and for the hands. Um, you know that's where the stippling came from. The stippling came from, and there were different grades of stippling. I, you know, you could do it very deeply. You could do it just as a little light frosting. And it, it was there for you know, like like using a, a paintbrush to create texture, to create light. Um, and that's that's on the blade and the handle, because like the it's on the blade and we the handle. At, it was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So there's there's so many finishes on when the knife is open in a locked position, the blade flowing into the handle. It's it just steel. It's really far out. Like it, it's it's nuts. Everyone should definitely go take a look at that. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that was a good one. Up. 
That one ended up on the cover of the Outstanding Blades Chinese magazine and brought us over to Beijing for the show a couple years. Yeah. One thing I've always appreciated about those old school art knives is like it's just steel. It's Did you like just call anti- me old? I'm talking yes. about stuff that's Dude, he just called me old. Old school. Old school. He's vintage. He's vintage. Like fine art. You get better with age, Bill. You get better with age. Fine wine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a little spoiled. Don't get me a glass of wine. That sounds good. You know, a lot of the art knives are like anti-material. It seems like a lot of people nowadays are like really focused on material. Oh, it's Timascus and Westy and Sanwai and all bullshit, like whatever. But those are like, you know, way more beautiful. And there's nothing there but just steel. It's it's the work that's showcased and not necessarily material. And that's what I like about it because the design, for me, is like one thing that stands out. Well, take... <coughs> Excuse me, guys. If you take uh, take all the knives that are being made right now, take away the Timascus, take away the Damascus, take away the the Damacore, take away all of these materials. And what do you see? It's all it's hiding and, and, and make them out of plain titanium and put a finish on that nice finish on that titanium. What do you have? Is there any artistry to it? Is there any shape? Is there any feel? You know, in some cases they're they're beautiful just as they are. Absolutely. And then when you start stacking materials on. All you're doing is creating a safe queen rather than something you'd carry in your pocket. Yeah, you're create, you're masking the, uh, I don't know, the form. It seems like you're drawing the attention away from the knife and more so towards the material. Yeah, What's Damascus hides good grinds anyway. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's like it doesn't, you can't story. tell the difference. Damascus is great for the guy who can't grind. What's that mean <laughs> that it's been going around lately? Uh, the Van Emulen posted? <clears throat> uh... Not carrying your knife to uh, to preserve maintain its, uh, its to preserve its resale value mm-hmm. is like not banging your girlfriend to keep her tight for the next guy. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Nicely done, Jeff. Shout out. Very Shout good. Out to Jeff Vandermeulen, the wise sage, with his <laughs> so, wiser advice. So going back to something that uh, Eric said about that that particular knife. So I mean, your art knife work at the time was well-received and noticed. I mean, you're saying so you were on a magazine cover and you were invited to another country. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, you know, I was at, at, in Milan, you know, the, you know, invited into the Italian Knife Makers Guild, um, been to Beijing, um, had a lot of in, invitations that I just couldn't afford to, you know, take people up on. Uh, but if you want to go back to that Chantrell knife, that was a knife that uh, Eric presented, presented that design and then um, after some tweaking, um, that knife came to be. That was originally Eric's design on that knife. Um, looked a little bit yeah, different. Yeah, I mean, that, but, that but was towards the, the end of, of our, our time doing art knives, really. That was right before we started transitioning into doing more yeah. liner locks and flippers and doing more of the tactical stuff. And yeah. then before we started getting back into the switchblades more. Well, we got to back step a little bit here. We're jumping a little bit too far. So, Eric, when did you join along yeah. with Bill? I made my first knife for Blade Show 2014. Oh, <clears throat> it was back in fourth grade when you did your science fair project and you and you, you kidnapped my uh, my anodizing unit. Yeah, I did my anod- the anodizing experiment for my so, seventh grade okay. science fair project. That's he ground, he, gra- well, he mean, ground I, his coupons. He did it all. He you know. I, I I spent a little bit of time in the shop growing up, just like any kid would with their dad you know but i 
beyond just helping out with little bandsaw cutting or profiling or finish work, which generally was redone anyways, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that much interest in it. I was doing sports and, you know, just in school and I was a teenager and, and didn't really care that much about it. My brother was actually into it way before I was. He, yeah. he was at, even one of the reasons why you continued doing it, if I'm not mistaken, right, Dad? Yeah, Paul was, he was all into swords and and the he was Japanese making his and, his wooden yeah. swords and and wooden training knives for oh, when yeah. we were doing martial arts and um and he was I selling them too. He was doing well with those. Yeah, he was. He was selling them for what <laughs> yeah. fifteen bucks a piece. Yeah, he was making wooden knives for practice for practice knives. No, but yeah, the, the whole knife making pat it, it never really was presented as a, a feasible option for me. I was, my parents always push me towards you're going to college and you're going to get, you know, have a practical career and, and everything's going to go like that. Hmm. But a couple of years into school, I was kind of, you know, I needed some time to reevaluate things and I ended up back in Portland. Wait, so where were you? An idiot. <laughs> idiot. 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 I may or may not be kicking myself for my decisions, but I'm enjoying the journey and I've learned some skills and had some good times with my dad. So when when were you like full time in the shop? Uh, full time. Like you're saying, you made one for 2014. Blade for show? 2014, so that's when I started jumping into it. It was just a little art knife. Uh, all my dad was doing was lockbacks at the time with carving. So that's what I learned first. Hmm. Um, it didn't work properly. The geometry was off, so I never really sold it. But it was a good start, and I had nice carving, and I got a good response from it. So just to be clear. Your first knife was an art knife. Was an art knife. Okay. <laughs> just, to be, just to be totally clear, you jumped in and were like, I got this. Let's just do the hardest let's, let's fucking thing it. that we can possibly okay. do. Yeah. Right. So that had me banging my head against the wall for a while. You know, going into a world-class shop with this guy with, with hmm. standards of fit and finish that are beyond what I could even really see, you know, developing the eye of actually being able to see what level of quality was... Uh, required was yeah, was one of the biggest things. God damn it! Yeah, now now I'm the one telling him, "Hey, you better fix that up. That's not quite right." Huh. Um, so yeah, but my my initial um, jump into the shop actually came from when my dad was in a he was t-boned. Uh, he was in a car accident, ended up with some nerve damage, and was having a hard time. You know, getting getting work done, and and that you know I, I'm. Just wanted to help, really, hmm. and that's that's that was the initial getting into the shop. And for the next couple of years, I I learned everything: art knives, all the carving, the inlay, the you know um, gold dots or whatever whatever else you can possibly think of. I was a part of every build, and you know, start to finish, I was able to to develop these skills over over a couple of years, and then we started. Uh, Getting into, I had, I had found a, a couple boxes with some old liner lock parts that had never been finished, some old sparrow hawks, and we started doing these liner locks for, uh, I think it was my third year going back to blade. Wait, so they and weren't switch blades? Were not switch blades. Yeah, we just started doing the switch. Yeah, I, I mean, we the the scale release ones that we had two years ago. Let's see. It, I'm trying it, to think it, of Nick, the it, timeline it's a, of things. It's been a journey. It, it you know, I started out making. My first knife was an assisted opener. My second knife was an assisted opener. My third knife was a, was a push-button dual action. 
my fourth and fifth knives were were um, scale release dual actions um and i went from there and then when i met tim herman uh i was really where i where we where we are now i was I was getting ready to produce uh, the Sparrowhawk with the old mechanism mm -hmm. uh, on a semi-custom, semi-production basis. Um, knife, you know, that type of knife was a lot less money back then. You know, that, you know back then, if um, I sold that knife for five, $600, that was a home run. You know, now we're we're uh, just talking about the later on timeline. And then, now we're right, we're, and then and know, then we went, then it then it was into art knives. You know, side locks, lockbacks, mm -hmm. and then we just started transitioning in back into doing just flickers and flippers. <clears throat> as far as the point of after I got into the shop, though, I had I spent a couple years doing the art knives. Then I had a year of doing. Uh, basic thumb stud liner locks. We were doing just uh, Sparrowhawks. That's when we first started getting into uh, Instagram and, and discovering the knife community of the tactical market that was just a whole different world from the art knife uh, uh, community that we were a part of. And um, then, you know, that it became clear that flippers were the thing that everybody wanted. So we came out with a flipper model. We made that for a year or two. Um, and after, by the time we got to the end of that, um, the new mechanism had been developed. So we had started making this new scale release mechanism. Which is crazy to think about because actually like when, when you hear people in the knife industry, like we talk about this, when you hear people say, oh, the market or trends, I mean, often we're not talking about things that are completely out of the spectrum. We're talking about these guys making art knives in 2014, 2015. That's not that long ago. Like the market makes incredible shifts on a regular basis. Absolutely. So pretending to know what's going to happen is tricky, but in general, you know, it sounds like what what you guys are doing. It, a lot of it is cyclical. Like starting from switchblades, going to going to manuals and flippers, and then coming back to switchblades. I mean, that's you know, out of necessity, really. Right, exactly. Um, Certainly the demand for the um, autos, I've seen an increase, but obviously you guys have seen... Um, well, there, there's, always been a there's always been, been a market for the autos. It's kind of been an outlaw thing. Um, yeah, anyone, anyone who's, who's been making switchblades for a while is definitely an outlaw. Hmm. You know, it's, we're, you know it, it's not, it's frowned upon, it, it has a certain stigma attached to it, but... And but the the market there is pretty much the same and stays the same. We are getting some new members to that world, um, but <clears throat> switchblade collectors are switchblade collectors. You so know, they aren't, was, they aren't buying flippers. Yeah. So what was the impetus to get back into switchblades? What was the thing that did it? You guys were like, we'll do a flipper, and then was there there was there well, somebody requesting there, it? There was a yeah, challenge. Was challenged. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, jeez. Um, Jeff Druitt, um, client, um, he wanted, wanted me to make a Sparrowhawk profile in a three and five eighths inch blade as a double action, wanted it with, with some mammoth scales, handed me a piece bar of Damascus for bolsters and blade. And I looked at him and said, really? 
and uh, you know, he was he was willing to invest in you know in the time that it would take to build. And I'm looking at it going, you know, I can do this. I've got a mechanism that'll work for that. And I said, okay, Jeff, I'll do it. Hmm. And uh, then I got home and I started looking at things and drawing things on the computer, going, shit, I don't have a mechanism that'll work. <laughs> and, so, and okay, so was, at that point you were you were using the original sort of you was using the I was, mechanism I was that you used my original yeah my original uh, um, uh, it's kind of a modification of um, of of Butch and Matt Diskin's uh, mechanism. So with the sheet metal looking thing. Yep. Yeah, with a with gotcha. a with a bent bent over sear coming in from the side of the knife. And uh, it wouldn't work in this knife. There wasn't enough room for everything. Uh, so instead of calling up Jeff and saying, hey, Jeff, man, I, I know I, I said I would do this, but I just can't do it. I started thinking and, you know, I, I, I came up with something. I, I, I saw something one day on a construction site. Really? What did you see? And I, I, saw, I saw the way they were... Uh, I, I saw a crane working, believe it or not, and I just I just saw something about it. Said, you know, if that were this big, that would work. <laughs> and wow, I, I started drawing, and I started designing, I started playing, and broke out the files and made little tiny parts. And, um, you know, it, it was it was a long time. It was uh, I was four months on one knife to develop this mechanism, hmm. and then it's taken uh, months after that to perfect it. So um, where's that prototype today? That prototype today? Mm-hmm. Well, the original prototype uh, was given to Eric two years ago for his birthday. Wow. And he's uh, it's, uh, <laughs> actually sitting over here on not, the desk. Not a bad score. Not a bad score. Huh. Yeah, he's still, got, it's not, in, not even sharp. I still need to finish hardware. it off. Yeah, I, I, I want to regrind yeah. it a little See, it, bit it and, and clean it up. Uh, hardware. The maybe maybe put some flutes on the bolsters. Hmm. But I figured I could, so I did. <laughs> Always a fan of hidden hardware. Hidden hardware, yeah. But you know, anyone who will do a hidden hardware dual action, dual action switchblade is an idiot. <laughs> yes, Sam, so this you, whole time that yes, this Dan, whole time I'm that I've about you too. <laughs> this whole time I've been in the shop and we've gone from one building one thing to the next, and it seemed like we've always kind of had the same issue if we just kept putting in too much time. And so that's what has kind of led to this new uh, development of this new line of of uh, producing these Sparrowhawks. If you're not familiar, we're making something more than just one of a kind at this point, um, and going venturing into a slightly higher production company or business plan, whatever you want to call it. The only hmm. requirement I had was we had to have our hands on each piece, and they have to they have to be of our quality. So we you know when we'll have parts that are uh, manufactured for us locally uh, and roughed out and then we'll bring them into the shop and we finish the parts here in the shop, put it all together and match it and fin do all the hand, hand work here. Uh, so really what we've done, we've, we figured out a way just to cut out excess labor. The, the, hmm. labor, that, the labor that you could train someone else to do or, or that a machine can do, but there's still certain aspects to a handmade knife that you cannot get a machine right. to do. And that's what we do. And so every every one of these has hand finishes. Every single one of these 
has been hand fit and hand, you know, and, and in the interior screws, the exterior screws are all mm. polished heads, um, you know, whether it's inside or out, uh, the interior of the knife, the, the, the actuator, um, that's all cleaned up. Everything is anodized. Uh, we want to build these knives like watches. Um, so, and be as proud as what's inside the knife is what's on the outside of the knife. So, you know, that's, that's really what it's all, all about to us is being able to bring one of these knives to people for less money with the same quality as our full on customs. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's where we out there. That's where we've been for the last year is just prototyping this new model, getting the process down for the last six months. They're going from the first batch to the second batch, the first 30 knives that we produced, it took us five months to produce. The next 30 knives or so, it took about, it took closer to five weeks. It was less than two months. So streamlining the process. So we're streamlining the process. We're outsourcing a lot of the the hand mill work that we've been doing. A lot of the heat treating that we've all done, we've always done in-house. We're getting outsourced the surface grinding. Just all the little things that add up time that that makes it impossible for us to offer a knife for the price range where we're at at this point. We don't, yeah, we don't have machining centers in here. We have... Uh, uh, you're sitting in the Especially. shop right now, Jeremiah. Yeah. You know, describe that's, the type of equipment you see in there. That, that's that's a good point to to back up this. Is is so yeah. So we're we're in the shop. There's there's zero automation. Uh, this looks probably more like a micro machining shop. There's engraving tools, uh, small drill presses, uh, the burrow master thing, which. There's no way I can possibly describe what that looks like. It's, it's like a bird master. It's, it's the original CNC. It's a rotary yeah. drill press, so it has multiple heads that spin around when you want to. There's what is like it, a Bridgeport thing? Yeah, old Bridgeport mill. It's not shitty a Bridgeport, guys. It, it, it's a copy of a wrong... It's a copy of a Chinese mill. It's not a Bridgeport. It's not a... I was trying to give us a little bit of prestige there. But I mean, no, there's there's no... We're on the second floor of a building that was built in the 50s. You know, if we put a Bridgeport up here, it would be downstairs. You know, and not by choice. You never have and you don't now have automated machines in the shop. There's no boss in here. No, the only the only computer out there is 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 the temperature control unit on the side of the kiln. Right now, exactly. now um, are you have any interest in getting CNC in the shop? No, I have no interest whatsoever. <laughs> well, well, we have outsourced certain parts to CNC yeah. at this point. Yeah, to, that, that, to that, take on that on our own, it's going to be anything like that. It's going to be way far down the road. It's nothing that we can even think no, about. What, at what, what we're, ho- what we're completely hoping different for world is, to us from the handmade world, you know. Yeah, yeah what, what we're hoping for is as we've we've automated some of the production on some of the parts for this uh, for this project is um, Eric's brother Paul is as he gets more and more involved in the business mm-hmm. that he, he's he's very talented with with cad he's very talented um with mm-hmm. with picking up a manual and learning um he's expressed an interest in going into the um industrial arts program at the local college uh to learn cnc machining and programming and then at that point i told him if that's what he wanted to do and he had the skills mm-hmm. at that point we would Buy and tool up a machine. Start in that direction, yeah. Yeah, I mean, also a lot of. I mean, but this is. We got to remember, this is a family business. We aren't. We aren't. We don't employ anybody. 
or not a factory. This, this is, is this is know, myself. Couple people and coming, myself. In, coming into work every day. Yeah. No, hey, hey, Bill, I feel you. Like, like when last time I saw you, I told you right when I get back, my father's been on full time, and it's been three months of my dad being on full time, and it changed the entire dynamic of the shop here. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's got a full time employee now. So. Well, no, it's, That's it's right. He's, he's got a full time employee. Yeah. It's, 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 is that it's what more, you're? Is that what you're calling Rob now? No, Rob. Is <laughs> uh, I mean, all of you said that. Rob well, Carter works for Nick. That's uh, awesome. Uh, no, I got the same situation how you and Eric. Have. My dad's been here full time for three months now. It's uh, I'd say it's more of a pain in the ass and working with your your family than actually uh, an employee. But we're get we're getting it done. I just, I, I, the, 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 dif the difference is, is I don't recommend is, it. <laughs> the, no, the you're gonna with, with an employee, I could tell. I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to open my mouth and tell an employee something that I wouldn't be willing to tell my son. I'm more willing to let my son and try something that he wants to try, even though I know it's going to fail. I, I'm going to let him do that because I know it's going to teach him for the future. You got to make your own mistakes. That's, you got to make your own mistakes. It's, this is something I've, I've said in the past is that having having you as a as a mentor, it's been amazing to have this encyclopedia of knowledge to be able to teach me one thing to the next thing to the next thing. But at the same time, I've had to make my own mistakes. I have my own drawer full of scrap. That, oh, God, know. does he ever. Oh, it's not that bad. But, you know, but yeah, that's and that's what knife making is. That's what life is. It's making mistakes and it's learning. And the, and the better you can make your relationship with the failure or perceive failure, then the, the better off you're going to be. Yes. Also, I mean, uh, just to, to finish learn, up the automation to to thing, handle, like you have to learn how to handle failures, because right. I tell you what, man, you screw something up that. And that, that you know you shouldn't screw it up. And I tell you what, it's like getting punched in the stomach. All the air disappears from the room. You can't breathe. Um, you know, it's like I just screwed two weeks worth of work uh, uh, on and on and on. But what, what, what happens is if you learn from your mistakes and you're allowed to make these, you know, to fail and, and to recoup, uh, you learn that it's that what that means is you don't just you know, pull your hair out and throw the thing away and start over. You take a step back and you say, okay, this is what happened. What can we do from here to make it right? And if you really look at it that way, a, you can, you can find, you can find a solution in just about all, all situations where you aren't making mistakes. You may make a new design, but you aren't going to make a mistake. Yeah. And, and you just figure it out. Yeah. See, I got a knife makers. Uh, there are no mistakes. There's just, well, new, you know, design. just new designs. New design. Yep. Well, that's the thing I'm, I'm struggling with now. Since my dad, like I, I delegated a lot of things that I don't ever like. I've got the process down on a lot of certain things that I've delegated to my father doing now, and uh, he's got. I need to talk to your father. I should well, talk to your father. <laughs> well, well, he's got in that should. mentality lately. Like, I'd love he's to a, hear that conversation. Yeah, so Let's he's got in that podcast. He's, in here. he's got in that mentality now, where he's like, he's a professional. He's been doing this for three months, and like he forgets that like the knives he finishes. I did all the work on prior, and he like doesn't he doesn't he doesn't realize what that what that Where'd entails. What you, you don't hear me? Yeah, you cut out for a few minutes. <laughs> no, you're I mean, like, oh, uh, no, so he other, doesn't realize what that is, work entails. Right, oh. and like Nick is saying, like finish work is it's not going to be ninety percent of the knife, but but finish work and action are going to be things where years and years and years of expertise come oh. into play. So That's automating true. automating the internals almost is just like. You're just making it easier for things people aren't going to see anyway. 
And what you expertise in is things that people do see, the tactical feel of the knife, you know, how it sits in your hand, how it appears to the eye. I mean, those are some yeah. of the crucial things that you'll never be able to automate, ever. There will never be a machine that will be able to make a knife they're, beautiful they're, they're, or operate. They, you know, they, and, and that's kind of our point there. We, uh, we, don't, we don't look at it as someone's never going to see it. We look at it as, hey, someone's going to get curious and take this thing apart. Right. You know, what are they going to find? Man, we don't want them to find a piece of, you know, we don't want them to find unfinished work on, inside yeah, the knife. Gonna, we're going to be just as surprised when they open now, I want them to open finished. that thing up and go, God, look at that. Sure. They polished it. You know, it doesn't, no one has ever, you know, if, uh, if someone buys that knife, they can use it for, for 20 years and pass it on to their kids or their grandkids and they can use it and pass it on and no one's ever opened the knife. But we know what's inside that knife. If someone ever does open it, they're going to see our work and our work is important to us. Yeah, just hey, like we're not technology. we're not gold plating the inside screws. No, like we Stan are not. <laughs> no, no, we we are. Quick, but we, quick touch on the on on the lathe, you know, make it nice and shiny. That's that's good enough. I mean, we're we're, we're proud of our work, and we want we we you know, we we want to do the best job we can for people. Uh, sure. Honestly, gold plating is easier than just putting them on a lathe and polishing them. I I, I, I still, still gotta finish them and everything though. Yeah, gold plating is kind of simple. Well, no, yeah, I switched the gold plate. All my like, I have one interior screw with the clip, but like, I just literally take them to the Jews down the block, and they gold plate a hundred screws for me. It's pretty easy compared <laughs> to polishing them. It's that easy, yeah, my, folks. So if you hear Nick trying easy. to upsell yeah, you my, on my, it, my don't listen to him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That'll be an upcharge for that. No, I'm just saying, like, putting them on the lathe. I'm No, I'm saying, putting them on the lathe and polishing them is more work than the gold plated screw. Literally, the Jews down the block do that. Um, I'm Jewish, I can say that. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, there are quite a few Jewish knife makers. Yeah, once in this, once on this podcast, I'm a Russian Jew. Yeah, you've got, you've got, you've got actually the Jews are outnumbering the Gentiles on this podcast here. Oh, yeah, you guys do so. I just forgot. (laughs) I'm like a half blood. We're all part of the we're all part of the tribe at this point. (laughs) We're all part of the tribe. Humanity will prevail. Okay. So okay, so the 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 dual action. You had a challenge. You met that challenge. You created something. You created another thing. Then you streamlined the thing. Now you're so you're working on streamlining that thing. Um, and now we're looking at new models. How but different it, now is the Sparrowhawk than what it originated as? Like interior or exterior? Both. T- touch well, on both. Well, I tell you what. When I was when I was originally building the Sparrowhawks, it was pretty early in my career, and you know where I thought the work was really fantastic. And you know what? It it, it it to me and to a lot of people, it was. But I can tell you one thing. When I look at uh, the pieces that I did back then, they were fairly rough. Um, yeah. I think fairly. every maker probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, yeah, every maker probably thinks. But it's a progression of learning. You know, it's a progression yeah. of finish work and, and learning how to how to do these things and keep lines clean and keep keep uh, Ricasso's flat with crisp grind lines and um, you know it, it's it, it's a it's a learning process. I've got you know a lot of years. You know, so, you know. Yeah, be, between the two of us, 20 plus years now. Yeah. That's, that's very true. So this. Um, it, so this is, this is, um, this is, 
um, the the shape of the knife is very very close. Um, the blade shape has changed just slightly. Um, the action has changed completely. The way the spring is held in, the way the, you can remove the spring, um, the way the knife opens and closes, uh, the geometry has changed just a little bit, um, but not a whole lot. Um, you know, the second run, when we found those parts for the original Sparrowhawk Autos, and I believe you have a couple in stock there, Jeremiah, um, those, were, those were really cool to build. Those are really those cool are hidden to hardware too. Those are those, those are, are amazing. Those look great. Yep, and those are really cool to build. Those knives. So, um, but yeah, he's talking the new about the smaller ones. Kind of, the yeah. new mechanism is what Full changes the knife. Clothes. It's really on the inside of the knife that's changed most. Right. And the center sear, the eclipse sear, um, patent pending, is uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it really, really changes it. I mean, we can make them fire so hard now um, without uh, the deformation, without out, um, um, worrying about dry firing, without, without, without things dry firing, without out things um, uh, deforming, without spring, without the sears bending or breaking. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a completely different animal. Hmm. It's been been simple and simplified completely too. It's completely been simplified. Um, the, the new sear method is, um, you know, something that other switchblade makers look at and they go, "Damn, it's so simple. Why didn't I think of that?" Mm. <laughs> well, and and as a note for that, just to like we we've had this conversation many times, but um, it is a little tricky for people who don't who aren't aware of the mechanics of these knives, but uh, if we can go into just a little bit of the anatomy of these dual-action switchblades, because most people have either very rarely set hands on anything dual-action, you know, never mind something as awesome as this. So, but, uh, Bill, can you give me an idea of what a, what a sear is? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Like, we throw this word around, but what's the mechanical... Well... The most what's basic level. Yeah, what, just, what, just basically, what, what, what does it, it do? What, like, what the what sear are we does, the sear will capture the spring. Okay. And hold the spring back, so it holds the inertia that will then be tripped by, a, by some sort of mechanism. In our case, we call it the actuator. The okay. actuator, er, which is, which is um, uh, set in motion by the movement of the scale. By moving the scale, you move the actuator, which hits the drive pin on the sear, which trigger, which which allows the spring to come come loose and fire. Okay. As that spring fires, it hits the bottom of the of the of the uh, blade and swings the blade out into place. Cool. Yeah, it's, okay. uh, yeah. The anatomy is there. Dual action means the knife works with or without that act act without that action. You can actually so without, open it without the spring. You can remove the spring completely, and it yeah, will function as knife. a as a regular knife completely. And yeah. that and that's a little bit different from this knife to any other scale release knife. Is we don't depend on that spring to hold the blade in place for the detent to hold the blade in place in the closed position. Uh, the spring is completely tucked up in a way, held back by the sear. So the blade is actually stopping on the full backspacer. And even without the spring, the knife will function perfectly 
as a normal knife. Mm -hmm. And that's really the main difference between this knife and any other scale-release dual actions out there. Now, from my understanding or memory of what you said, um, the dual actions really developed because of legality back in the day because you couldn't really carry an automatic. Is that correct, or am I, am I remembering false information? Well, you know, there's, there's gadget factor involved. Uh, you know, first of all, it, it's fun to have a switchblade, but it's intimidating as hell to have a switchblade to pull out at work. People don't want to see you push a button and fire a blade, fire a blade out. You know, it's kind of intimidating to people because switchblades have this stigma attached to them. Um, what this does, it hides the fact that it actually is a switchblade. It just gives you an option for being able to fire the knife open without having to get your thumb on the thumb stud, without having to even turn the blade around, because this knife here can be fired in a reverse position, mm -hmm. where you can hold the handle and have the blade come out, out you know, on, down along your arm rather than out in front of your thumb. Um, Wouldn't that be like a reverse Spidey flick? Yeah, like, a, like <laughs> Ice Pick. Yeah, yeah a reverse Spidey pick? I don't know. No, the, the, <laughs> no, I, I'm too old to know this stuff. No, Where's but, Tom Mayo? I need an old guy in my corner. Damn. Uh, the we'll get him on the podcast. That, don't worry about it. That, that's pretty much my favorite way to open it. It's actually pull it off the pocket and just reverse actuate it, I guess. Yeah. Put the blade down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's the most badass way. And then it just ends up in your hand, fucking yeah, reverse it, style. Really, as you pull it out, you just hit that button. It's, it's probably the quickest way to actuate it. Yeah. You know, it, it's it. They're fun as hell to play with too. Oh you yeah, know? And, like, and like I, like I've stated before, people who have to drive to work and they sit in traffic, this knife is guaranteed to shorten your commute. <laughs> I mean, that's actually okay. That leads us into a little bit of a of a good train of thought here, as far as as far as springy knives or knives with springs come in into play. Um, I think there's there's an underestimated. Uh, fidget factor in these knives. I don't think, like, I, I certainly have lots of experience answering emails and many other things when it comes to, like, knife firing, but Bill, like, people fire these knives how many times? Thousands oh, and thousands, thousands and thousands, thousands of times. Thousands of times. Thousands of times. Like, people are like, oh, it's a switchblade, you know, or you can fire a manual knife, you can just sit there and fire it, but, like, there really is something about a switchblade that you can just sit at a desk or sit at wherever. You it's can fire it until it like like it explodes. In which oh. case, you know, most most <laughs> of the time these things don't even. I mean, what's your? It's nothing. Like they just they just keep firing forever. What 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 was your total count? I know earlier you posted an oh, Instagram God, video on, on the on the prototype knife. Um, yeah, how many fires I, you have I, on that? I thing? had I had close to fifteen thousand. Is what I estimated. Wow. Okay. I fired that thing every day from the moment I woke up uh, to the time I went mm. to sleep. I was driving. I was, you know, even when I had my hands on something else I was working on, I'd still reach over and open and close it. Um, yeah. You know, um, the, the thing that really makes this knife durable, I believe, is number one, it's not put together with bearings. It's a washer knife. It uses a hardened pivot and a hardened bushing. You cannot squeeze the knife too tight to pinch the blade. Um, it, it just keeps going and going and going. I mean, eventually there are moving pieces and something will wear out, but you know what? We can replace those pieces. 
Mm. You know, there's nothing on that knife that can't be replaced. A couple, you know, the original prototype I wore, I took seven thousand off, seven thousandths of an inch off of each washer. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how many times I fired it. Seven thousand. <laughs> yeah, they seven, started at fifteen and ended up at, at like eight or something. Wow. Yeah, I ended up with <laughs> eight right. foul on, on each okay. side of that blade. Wow. You know, so that that was a lot of firing. That's you know. and it's still centered too. But you know oh. what? I've sold these things to people who are still who are doing the same thing, and you know what? They aren't saying, "Hey, the knife's getting loose. Knife's doing this. Knife's doing that." They're saying, "Hey, I want to get another one." <laughs> So, I mean, right, and that's, that's you know, a, another awesome point. So, I mean, these knives, which are mechanical nightmares, but also at the same time Rolex built, um, these knives run on washers. Wow, thank you. You're, you're welcome. But, I mean, these knives run on washers, not bearings. I mean, you kind of briefed over that, but, I mean, as a mechanical advantage to bearing, uh, bushings actually offer a, a lot. Like oh yeah, quite well, a bit. Yeah, you have you have a bearing. If you're if you're using a sixteenth inch bearing that's going around out in a track, your knives are riding on a pinpoint. It's It'll yeah, it's a difference of surface down. area. It'll slow down the mech. Yeah, it's going to because all that and and down. and all that all that surface area there that they're they're dragging on. I'm not saying that we may we we may do a knife with bearings to you know to cut costs because doing the you know fitting the uh, bushings is very time consuming. Um. But you know, but you know, as general rule, you have much better side-to-side stability and strength, you know, in a washer or knife. And if it's done right, uh, it's gonna you can you can you can have a drop-close knife with a, a washer solid, knife with no play. Solid contact point. Hmm. Right so yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for old school. Mm-hmm. I so think I a pushing system with washers is superior. Overall, I've always thought that, and and this is like, mm-hmm. and any kind of knife, a flipper, or a thumb stud, yep. whatever. Yep. So as an adjunct to that, um, and this is going to be totally, but when when did bearings start to really take hold? Was there a point where have they always been there? Like, did you? see them coming and then you were like oh, i'm gonna stick with washers or Didn't is it just you know you know what you could you can ask me that question but i was not in this world to tell you i okay. think uh gtc I was, had something to do with that didn't he or i guess the uh ikbs the ikbs was, was the first one oh, that okay. came out and then somebody came along and but people had been and... playing with with washers i was playing with a uh with a magnetic washer huh. or uh idea for a while there where I was using neodymium magnets uh, with reverse polarity to create a switchblade okay now uh, or an assisted opening knife mm-hmm. you know using using a you know, using a magnetic force opposing actu- magnetic forces I actually want to get into this for a second because you're the second person who I've heard actually cuz uh, try this did you actually get to the prototyping stages cuz I've actually tried it and built a knife around magnetic magnets that I found um, and yeah, I did. Great. I did prototype. I prototyped it out of aluminum. Yeah, and I, mm. it worked great until the moment any piece of anything gets in there. Yeah, until you put it in your pocket, and it's yeah, and yeah, it, the... it, it, it doesn't work. It grows hair. Yeah, I tried this like six years ago, and like this is the greatest thing ever because I saw the Japanese trains work on magnet magnetic rails, and that's how they go so be, fast because there's no conceptually, friction. Conceptually, it would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is amazing, and like. 
I tried it with just same thing aluminum, made a bigger folder, worked with the bar- uh, the magnets I found, and it was great and all for like the first day, and then it felt like crap. And then I saw the mud autos, well, before they were automatics, and I started thinking, what if you do that? Blah, blah. But you're the actual only other person where, who's had that idea, who's tried it. But I've, I've been talking about that for a while. Uh, that, was, that was back before the original Sparrowhawks. That was, yeah, that was a long time ago. That was probably 2008. That was, that, no, that was, that, no, cause, the, cause, the no, because I remember was, that. It was, it was at the shop yeah. after we, you had moved into the shop downtown so I could go to, to no, the no, no, that, no, I did, I did that when I was still, at, I did that when I was still at home, when I was so, still in, in the house. How'd you do use? Because I found magnets with holes that were slightly bigger than the pivot hole, and I put it pretty much pressed them in there as if they were bearings. I machined my own magnets, which is which is uh, almost impossible to do because first of all, those neodymiums, when you start drilling them and, and putting an end mill through them, they catch on fire. I thought they were they're nickel plated too, aren't they? And they're nickel plated. The nickel's oh, fine. Wow. From my reading, is if they oxidize, they don't work. So I had I would use them around what I found. So I designed something around oh. magnets that I was able to find. But no, I, always, I, I always thought if they oxidize, they don't work. No, I actually, I, yeah, I don't know anything about that. I actually, um, I actually created my own washers. But what I was doing, I was creating half moons, and I was flipping them one way to the other because I wanted the knife to be able to open to a certain point and have the magnetic, the reverse oh, polarization oh, pull the propel rest, the, the knife. Yeah, you got to remember, I was a hmm. switchblade maker, man. If it didn't yeah. do something, I wasn't going to build it. You know, before I got into art knives, if it didn't switch, if it didn't click, if it didn't didn't jump, I wasn't building it. I did not build regular folders. Yeah, that was an interesting way to think about it because the magnet eventually get past a certain point, it'll just pull it into place. Exactly. Well, I didn't want wow. it to pull it. I wanted it to push it. Mm-hmm. So you would, like, release it, work. and then the polarity yeah. would push the blade? <laughs> it didn't, didn't it out. work. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. But so no go on anybody's part. It didn't work. No, Bill's like the second person who's actually tried that I know who tried it besides having an idea, and like everyone Mm. always tried. Like I, I didn't get it to work. He didn't get it to work, and someone else in the knife making group I don't remember which that tried it too. And like you you might get it to work for a moment, but anything that gets in there, it just stops working. Uh. When I was still hanging out at Butch's shop, um, I took I went out to the. shock show and the vegas show mm-hmm. uh with butch out in vegas we drove out there and he wanted to go down to uh we went down to yuma arizona across the border into mexico to oh, get, wow. get his pharmaceuticals for the year and uh-huh. so i was there to help him drive and stuff <laughs> yeah i was a mule i was a mule to bring back uh, pharmaceuticals okay. yeah. um, but, but we had a lot we'll of edit, hours we'll that part out. <laughs> we had a lot of hours in the car together and he was kind of like challenging me to think of something new uh-huh. Because I mean, hmm. here I am riding in the car for 23 hours straight with Start Mr. Mechanism, yeah. and every time I'd come up with something, he'd say, that. he'd go, you know, uh, you know that that's a really good idea. Blackie Collins did it back in '87, you know, <laughs> or Blackie Collins did it in here, wow. or I did it then, or so and so did. You know, he's like, you know, the yeah, greatest like story on, on switchblades. It's just amazing. Yeah, um, Simpsons did it. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was done by the cavemen back around the La Brea tar pits back in, <laughs> you know, La Brea tar pits. you know, back in four thousand BC, you know, so, hmm. so you know, and that and that's that's where I got that idea was on on the road with him, and I was you know I was sketching things out and showing him. He's going, nah, that so and so did that, you know. Every time I came up with something, he's going, you can come up with something, you, you know. 
that that's what it's all about. And you know what? It took me close to 15 years, but here I am and I've got my own mechanism. So mm. I thank him for pushing me and, and putting me in that, that mindset. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's an intense, I mean, getting there though, that's, that counts. Um, what's, I mean, what's your, what's your relationship with Butch now? Uh, I see Butch once in a while. I saw him um, most recently at the Eugene show. Um, he's he's um, you know he's he's getting older. He has had some health issues, and um, you know I, I wish him well. Yeah. You know, I I hope hope things go well for him. Uh, but you know, as we all get older, we all get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking about one thing, just sidetracking here but uh like elijah mentioned the gcc and the bearings the next time i see uh gc i want to ask him because when i first started making knives every one who sold bearings they were marketed as gtc bearings yeah you don't you don't you don't yeah but you don't i haven't seen them marketed as gtc bearings in years i think think before i kbs or comacorth no this was afterwards yeah, well, I know IKBS came out first, and I was like, it's a pain. Like, I've built IKBS knife. It's a pain in the ass. Because the amount of times you put a knife together and, and, and build it as you make the knife, it's just yeah. like every time with tweezers and grease and magnets putting the fuckers together just to test fit it. And yeah, it, you, there's another way. Like, I learned how to do it from the South Africans, and they use a steel bushing and a washer and as they build it. But uh, I don't... I, um, I don't like. I I don't have that to work. I have to do it every time with the IKBS, and then I guess GTC. Well, yeah. My my suggestion is is to spend a little bit more time in in making sure your frame is square, and making sure your parts are flat, and fit a proper washer. And I think you'll be much happier. Flatness and parallelness a little harder to do than just slapping a bearing. In there. Yeah, bearings you can pretty much yeah. doesn't matter if your backspacer is the same, the right size or not. You have those bearings. You have a crank down on those bearings. It's going to rotate in and out, and uh, I think that's um, that's helped a lot of knife makers get on board. But oh, yeah, I but... see I see the trend going back to washers now. You know, mm. I didn't really think about it until Bill just said that, but that could probably that's could be a good reason why we see like an influx of so many new makers just because of the bearing system. No, it's just it, it's Instagram. The bearings, the bearings are around forever, and they've always every knife maker's like, oh, you could be ten thousand off. They'll still work, just won't be centered. But it, it's yeah. it, that's fine. As, yeah. as, roll yeah. with it. Just roll yeah. with it. Yeah, it, Nick. It's Nick no one was. No one was saying. No one was saying that was you know your story. But you know you, you don't oh, need no. to be so defensive. Buddy. Oh well, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm getting. I'm getting to what I say every fucking episode. And before the time of Instagram, where it was on forums. Oh, uh, there it is. Oh, yeah. Before ah. Instagram. That, that, it was just a direct correlation. The moment everything went to Instagram, everything just, the, the market started melding with different industries and guys that made uh, the, a banjo started making a knife, whatever. You know, the, the funny thing is, is we were playing around with, uh, Matt Cook and I, we were playing around with pulling, pulling, uh, caged bearings out of uh, hard drives on computers yeah well so you know it it's it's not a new idea it's like a, a pre-made know, yeah you know shit yeah you tear apart some, some yeah some western digital hard drives from old That's, 286s and 386s and there's there's some usable bearings in those things along with lots of good oh, standoffs yeah. too so the sparrowhawk has always been on uh bushings and washers not always bushing but washers yeah but definitely washers yep 
The okay. originals were just on washers. Uh, the 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 uh, the reintroduction of the Sparrowhawk uh, that that we had at Blade Show two years ago. Uh, those were on bushings. Um, and the new and and the late and generation one, Gen one and Gen two are both on bushings. Uh, I've I've had trouble with suppliers getting getting things made to the precise. Um, parts that I wanted, you know, to get, get the parts with the right precision that I've wanted. So I've actually gone out and I've made my own. So, mm -hmm. um, I even have some of the earlier knives from gen one, uh, that are starting to come back when, you know, I get a phone call, well, this is doing this and it's like, yeah, send it back. I'm going to replace the bushing washer or the bushing and the pivots, uh, because huh. they just, they just weren't made precisely enough for what I, you know, to make me happy. They still work, right? but. It's not to my standards. I mean, you know, especially when it comes to this, that's like, it's your name on the line. The standards have to be high, like incredibly high. Everyone has to be happy. Everyone has to be happy. And that includes me. Right. So just going back, stepping, stepping back a little bit. Uh, so Eric, Eric, in his introduction to the shop, because I'm looking around and we're sitting in the shop right now, and there's yeah, actually you're two engraving stations. On, so I mean, you guys on the neat side or the messy side? What side? Uh, sort of on the neater side. It's yeah, that's neater. Eric. That's Eric. It's neater. Side, yeah. It's yeah, all that's, relative. That's yeah. I mean, like, there's still a high level of art knifery going on around here. Like, what? I see projects you guys are working on that are not fucking Sparrowhawks. We're like. still doing customs. We still, obviously, there's always going to be un yeah. unfinished projects. So we pulled out this last button release that he's working on right now was started four years ago, I think, and yeah. was just pulled out of the drawer to finish. This whole new venture was uh, with, with the new Sparrowhawks and, and then increasing production, creating more of a business out of it was more of out of necessity to, to create more of a regular income. Right. Um, but what we found is even even through the production, pro the pro uh, prototyping process and getting the, the production process down, um, working on everything that entails in building a business going through doing the new website advertising content you know constantly trying to improve and um you know get communication on board it's it's gotten to the point where it's it, we were making customs to support the business that was support supposed to be supporting right. the customs hmm. um so it's all it's all a process and we're learning as we go. We've never done anything beyond just doing the one-of-a-kind knives, really. So this has right. just been a whole new world that we've we've kind of dived into. My happy, and you're my happy place would be to have the semi-customs doing well enough to support the shop and support um, you know our very basic lifestyle. Um, because anyone anyone who knows us knows we aren't we aren't extravagant people. You know, we we just live as we can live. Uh, but what I'd really like to do, do is to be able to support the art. I'd love to be able to go back to making art knives and not worrying about how many hundreds of hours I put into one piece and right. finally chase it and, and find that that you know that 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 vision that I have in my in my mind's eye that I can 
I can actually eat, chase and, and, and find and, and create. And not having that voice in your ba- the back of your head, head saying, saying, you got to finish hey, it because we need to pay rent. You're spending too much time and right. you got a bill coming up. You got to pay rent, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you should probably finish this up. <laughs> so, I mean, you, Eric, you've been in a, in a great position this whole time. I mean, you, you've, got, you've got this figure in your life who's this amazing knife maker, and then you've been in the shop with him working on this stuff, and that sort of has certainly come to a head sort of recently within the last couple of years as well but i mean you have you have also you have your own designs and you actually just sold a, a piece of like about a month ago um of, oh, of just, completely your your just, own just last week, like last week just, yeah. uh, you're talking about the the hawk bill model exactly reaper, yep. yeah yep um, yeah, so I've made two of those now, and those are just 100% handmade knives. The first one took way too much time. I told myself to keep it simple and ended up using high-carbon Damascus steel and a month on that knife. And, oh, wow. and the next one took probably a week and a half at least, um, hmm. which was a much simpler model, no carving and basic scales, burgundy linen micarta, but still a very, very nice, cool cool knife with multiple finishes that really gave you a, a feel and um, a depth to it. And what's the um, name of that model? I've been make, calling make it the Reaper. Really quick. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Bathroom That's always been now. my the hardest part for me is coming up with a name. And I know you, Elijah, will, will start with the name sometimes. And I, I did that sometimes. with the Chantrell knife. But other than that, it's always just been a, you know, seeing a line that I like and going after that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've but seen I've the, seen Elijah's the, computer. He says he's got all these designs on the computer. You know what he ha- actually has? He has a text list in Word of all the different names of the knives that he's going the to names he's right. come up with. Those so are his designs. Pull it up right now. <laughs> That's your inspiration. That's great. Right. He, he, he so just I mean, makes so the names. The designs are just there. So <laughs> I I came into the shop and and um you know it. It, it was either uh, the option to make my own knives and build my name, but since um, you know my dad was already established and I was learning, I wasn't quite there. I was still I was taking it as I was taking it seriously as an apprenticeship to really learn the craft and the right. art of it. Um, so I I never really started producing my own models to to I don't know come out of the shadow of my dad. It's it's always been just contributing to the business and building together and learning as much as I can as I, along the way. And, but now it's, it's been nice to, I, I've just got a head full uh, of designs now that I want to start producing myself. And, and it, it, yeah, it goes that's, back to that's this what is it's a all about. Business. This is touch knives. This isn't, this isn't bill touch knives. This isn't Eric. This is touch knives. This is a family business. And, right. Yeah. And then after five, Six years now of being in the shop, I've really developed this passion for for knife making. Yeah, I want I want to make my own, so I'll be obviously producing my own. Also, we're both going to be doing our own customs as well as this new line of knives, and just making it all work simultaneously as much hmm. as we can. You know, which is which is which is so awesome because I've had uh, I've had this conversation with Matt before, and I know I've sort of talked to you and Bill about it, but um, so I'm. Pretty sure if I'm doing my math right, that you would be, and you know, with all due respect, terminology-wise, you would have been the youngest apprentice to be brought into the dual-action knife fold. I don't believe that there's anybody else doing it that really has any sort of knowledge. Yeah, that's. I mean, the the Valens do, do have um 
they're working on stuff, but that's that's How a pre-existing. Old is Kyle and Corey. Kyle's Kyle's probably early thirties. in his thirties. But I mean, again, that the lineage thing. But I mean, you would have been the the first person to really have been, you know, a, a huge mechanical understanding of what you're dealing with. That's not. It's born out of the mountains, but it's Bill's mechanic. You know what I'm saying? Like it's mm-hmm. you, you're certainly nobody else knows it. You know, it's a it really is a dying. Uh, art form, you know, if I haven't said it's, that before on the cast. It's an incredible like, opportunity yeah. to, to be a part of this and to be able to have much passed down to me. All right, now, so you're, you're doing this, work are you going to do, like, an auto version of the Reaper? Or dual action version of the Reaper? Uh, do you plan on using the mechanism in your future work? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he's, he's actually, actually designed the knife with, with that used, mechanism involved. I use the same geometry... Hmm. Uh, in mind to be able to do okay. that in the future. I'm not sure when I'll actually get around. I also have an idea for an opening mechanism of my own. So okay, there's yeah, there's all sorts of ideas and, wow. and things that I'd like to pursue. But it's all it's all it's all going to be a process. Right, right. Got to enjoy the journey as it as it happens. And that's that's pretty legit. I mean, that's a that's a that's more than than um, your average. Uh, and again. Everybody out there, like garage style knife maker. I mean, that's you know, you you were in a good position to to get to where you are now quicker with with a huge amount of uh, precise tips. We'll say pros and cons. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. You know, family is terrible. Don't ever do it. It's (laughs) amen. Uh... (laughs) So what's what's next for? I mean, you guys. So we're like I said, we're sitting in the shop. I see lots of. Aspects. I see technical aspects. I see you guys working on Sparrowhawks. I see your own designs. Where are we in? You know, where are we in a year? Where are we in two years? Uh, I see you guys revive the God Switchblade shirt, which is totally awesome. If you guys don't have that, you need to get one. We'll work on that. Uh, but where, where, where are we going? Where are we headed with this? What's, what's the next move for you guys? I see. Well, it's, it's all like I said. It's all going to be a process. We can only move as fast as things turn over right now we've we're in the middle of, of well not we're we're a little bit past way of producing the first or the second batch of these sparrowhawks okay um at this point we've pretty much gotten the process down to the baseline of where we're going to be able to get the lowest price at, mm. for this model and from here we'll be able to incorporate different blade materials, different handle materials for the one-off customs that, that we've had a lot of requests for that we just haven't been, been ready for. And we'll also be, uh, you know, um, uh, we've had a high demand for maybe a three-quarter inch model, um, the full-size model. Everybody seems to want a different size. You can't please everyone. Mm. Uh, different, different variations of the model, different designs. Um, I'd like to just grow that as much as we can, but it's going to be gradual as we're uh, as as things go in and out, and we're creating the customs uh, at the same time. It's you know it's all going to be having to happen uh, simultaneously. It's not. <laughs> yeah. I would love to have a a, a a bankroll right now to fund this new venture, but it's it's not going to happen overnight. No, we're we're mm-hmm. going to be we're going to be growing very organically. Yeah, organically, um, that's a great word for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not something that 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 is going to happen overnight. Um, you know, hopefully we'll look back at it and say, hey, it happened overnight. But uh, that's we we want to grow, do it right, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to say, hey, you know, yeah, great. We just had an influx of money here. We're just going to go slam it all in and, and, and put the cart before the horse. We, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we want to make sure that, that all of our, our P's and Q's are, are P, no, our I's and T's are crossed and, cross and dotted. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, I'm Both big, I'm and big on all that. Lowercase J's. Yeah, that's Lower, it. Lots yeah. of those. Oh, oh yeah. Last uh, day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so, we just, yeah, I, I, I see this growing um, for as long, you know, I, there's no real way to, to, to know exactly where we'll be in a right. year. Right. But from a year, a year ago today to now, been a huge growth. I couldn't, I, could, I would say the same thing. There's no way I could, I could picture exactly where we're at right now, the growth that we've made. Hmm. The things that we've gone through, the fucking sacrifices we've made, it's just been, it's been a really... Especially last year. Last year was a rough year, man. It's, it's been a process, <laughs> to oh. say the least. If you don't get something done, nothing got done, you're not going to make any money and you're not going to pay rent. So you got to keep on going no matter what's happening. Hmm. Even if you have your gallbladder out and uh, <laughs> shingles a few months after that. <laughs> just as a this just is a total throw a random you know, just a random whatever. example out there. <laughs> yeah uh-huh no, i mean it's, I, it's easy to survive self-employed you know when you when you lose a third of your work year man i'm telling you i tell you what if i didn't have eric i probably wouldn't be here my shop would be gone and um i'd be on the street is as far what? as we're at as far as we're at right now the last few years of of getting into this new shop location i don't i don't think people really realize what the type of lifestyle that my dad and i actually we 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 found a warehouse space the second floor of a warehouse building that was dilapidated we had a hole through the roof through the ceiling no walls we we framed in all the walls tiled in a shower put in a kitchen uh, um and and made this into a live work spot where we had a two-bedroom apartment on one side and the shop on the other we forgot about a 1200 square foot space for the shop hmm. and I, I lasted about a year before i moved out and found my own place down the street but it's it's this is this is the life we live we wake up we go to the shop we make knives fucking um, commute is killing me go home eat sleep yeah, his twelve-step commute and yeah, my really and, and my mile commute. Yeah. Like I don't even have to go through a light. It's pretty awful, but <laughs> it really it's it's we're so we're sitting in the shop and it really is like I'm looking at the door to the apartment and the apartment and the shop are basically it's separated by a very very small amount. So I mean we're we're talking about uh if someone was grinding in here you'd be hearing it if you were in the living room watching TV. Uh, it it's nice. It's nice we're working all the time. It's it an awesome, nice. yeah. It's an awesome space, and it's and that's, it's and ideal. That's it's exactly what we, what we really had in mind. Right. That's what we do. We're knife makers. Knife makers. If you're not a workaholic, you're not really doing it right. I think is that uh, well. If that's knife makers, the plan. If you don't work, if you aren't in the shop all the time, that means right. you have that's, another job. Yeah. That's. <laughs> you know. what, what's what's a nine to five? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 uh it's the time it takes to get to lunch. Seven eleven. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta be you gotta be about it. It's a it's a lifestyle choice, and people really people really have no concept. When I when I certainly I can tell you, I talk to customers all the time. People really don't understand just how much time it takes. And if they, 
if I I have an equation that I like to, to like break down for people, and they're like, oh, I could do that. It's easy. It's like, oh, cool. Like, definitely rock on and do it because there's a community here to support you, and and they'll be happy to teach you when you fall. But I mean, there's no way to ever pay back a million hours and decades of your life into a, a craft like this. Even if you sold an knife for twenty grand once every six months, years do it doesn't matter. Like that's not never get that time back. Where you get paid back for it, so you really have to be in with it or completely insane in order to be able exactly. to do this gotta, because it's not it's not it's like, not rational. Right. It's totally <laughs> completely illogical to uh, to live the lifestyle that we do, and that's that's what it is. It's, though it's, it's a, a, a bohemian lifestyle. Really, it really yeah, makes yeah, well, the passion for um, the most the most popular response I get when someone who doesn't know what the community is is like, "You make knives that are thousand dollars. You must make a lot of money." And the last oh, year, yeah. yeah, they go, they go, "What are my costs into a knife?" They go, "About a hundred bucks. You're making nine hundred dollars a knife. That's insane." I'm like, "Yeah, when you break down the math, uh, what do you what I go? What do you work for? Like about twenty dollars an hour. Would you like to make more money?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like cool. I'd love to I make so- twenty dollars an hour. Can we do that? <laughs> Can we do that? Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm like funny cool. thing. Sometimes the I make funny thing is, Nick, you, you, you look at these people and you say, "Hey, hey, hey, last time you took your car into the dealership to get worked on, what do they charge you an hour?" And they say, "Oh." somewhere between 90 and 110 dollars an hour yeah. it's yeah. a great you know if i sold my knives for 90 you know the each knife would be six thousand yeah. dollars well then i break it you down know, again i'm like sometimes i make yeah. starting yeah. no then i break it down like sometimes i could make 90 dollars an hour but ncc knives makes 90 dollars an hour nick trooper still made 10 dollars an hour it doesn't matter what the company makes there's also the amount you take home and the amount the company takes that that's what a lot of people don't realize because they get a paycheck they don't run the business that that's a whole yeah. different factor it starts then then you start breaking down expenses Absolutely. costs you know rent. this might this doesn't hold water you cannot not pay your dad oh. gotta pay him. yeah you cannot not pay your son oh no sons are okay <laughs> yeah it's a little <laughs> bit it's all right different uh, <laughs> it goes down i got i got shop bills i got i got Pay my 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 dad my the employee for eight. Uh, I got expenses. I got all all the stuff. My my toll bill just to get to my shop every month's three fifty a month. And so guys find that insane. Your what bill? Your toll bill? Yeah, I I, I I cross I cross America's most expensive bridge every day. It's nineteen dollars <laughs> <Yeah>. cash. <laughs> Out to Staten Island. Yeah, yeah Staten man. Island. That's what I'm saying. You, you guys are talking about your commute. Yeah, no shit. Is. You guys were talking about your commute of living at the shop. It's like, rough, man. It's a no, rough no, life we live. No, the funny part is I live at my shop, but I still have to pay my toll because my dad takes the car now. So uh, it's like I used to live at the shop not to pay the toll and not to drive back and forth because it's a 30-minute drive. And now I still live here and I still have to pay the toll. Yeah, he NCC9 still pays the toll. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you have a full-time employee now, and that's just part of the, that's first part of the process. Yeah. Hey, I have a question. Yeah, what's up, Bill? Can we start, uh, talk about strip clubs now? Oh boy. So let me just let me just preface that that show. topic uh, <laughs> with how with how great uh, the shop Rottweiler is. Uh, <laughs> is uh, Samson, if you've never had the if you've never had the pleasure to meet him, he's probably the 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 best tempered Rottweiler I've certainly ever run across. Yes, been deemed the world's best Rottweiler. Um, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna definitely say yes. When Matt Diskin tells you your Rottweiler is the world's best Rottweiler, you better believe it. Yeah, like that shit is real, dude. Like that is what's in the pipe 
Uh, what's what's the next show? Do you guys have any collaborations you're working on that we can we can look forward to with any any makers that we uh, we are aware of? Yeah, so we're we're we've got the gathering coming out up, up at the end of August. Uh, we'll have a handful of sparrowhawks, so we'll probably be lottering off, lottering lottering off. Um, and we also have a collaboration with Eric Cox that a really cool recurve flipper that we'll have a couple available. Um, We'll see. We we have, have uh, Dr. Death possibly in the works with Tom. Uh, he's supposed to be grinding the blade and fitting the lock and whatnot and sending him back to to have the handle done here. Pretty legit. So I'll do some crazy, uh, you know, out of the ordinary, nobody's seen the Dr. Death like it type of, type of handle on it. Um, sounds like Elijah and I are going to be doing a collaboration. Uh, that should be pretty epic. Design something up and uh, pretty much have Eric make the entire thing himself because uh, I'm not a knife maker, but yeah, design collab. <laughs> you get short design screws. Well, I was saying, Elijah, I thought you were coming into the shop and, and going to build a knife for yourself. That's yeah, going to happen. Get you grinding blades, man. Yeah, man. You you still have what? 10 fingers. I know. I got 10 of them right at the ready. We'll just see how far you make. Yeah, you have to come in and, and fix. You're, you're you're not a maker until the bandsaw takes your finger to. It's pretty his, much the rules. His, his hands are so soft, though. You know, there's some. Yeah. <laughs> that's part of the that's part of the design collab is also being like shop bitch for a week. Is that correct? Is that how that was? That bandsaw how that bitch. Bandsaw, yeah. bandsaw, bandsaw bitch. Yeah, bandsaw bitch. Cool. All right. Uh, other than that, yeah, we're just gonna be moving forward and continue to produce these sparrowhawks. It's Sounds like everybody that, that gets the hold of one either wants one or, or two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as long as we're moving in the right direction, we're just going to keep on making, keep going as long as we can. There you go. So now what, what shows do you guys regular? Um, where, where, can, where can people see you guys? Uh, the Gathering, this is our second year with the table there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Blade West after that. That is the second year show also. But since it's here in Portland, you know, it's, then they seem to be doing a really good job with it. Anyone that's that's on the on the wall with coming to Blade West, definitely definitely put that on your agenda this winter to come out to Portland and have a blast with us. Um, that, was, after, that was a lot of fun last year, and actually it was, it was, the weather was like perfect. It was just at the end of the fall. It was like a little bit wet, but not cold. It's Portland weather. Yeah, yeah. it's Portland. Hey, it could have been be like last year. Come to come to the shop and see if you can buy, hide your beer cans and beer bottles where I won't find them for two months. Yeah, see, there <laughs> you go. If it was an IPA, it might last longer. Yeah. Uh, and then and then of course we've got a blade show that uh, this year we moved to a booth, which was uh, you know a, a transition year to say the least. You know everyone's kind of I think used to seeing us in the guild section, the tables, uh, and and and. In the booth section, we're surrounded by all the different production companies that have knives in the fifty to three or four hundred dollar range. What you know, however much. They, and when you come by our booth, and we're asking for twelve hundred for a knife that maybe doesn't look that complicated, since there's no button or fancy milling on it, so it's still a handmade knife. And uh, yeah, it's been a transition. Right on. But we will be back there next year. New models, new sizes, new materials. As much as we can do. Sounds pretty killer. All right, so definitely definitely a, a couple pretty awesome collaborations coming up. 
uh, Tom Mayo and, and, and Eric Ox. That's, you know, and, and obviously Elijah. But as far as, uh, as makers go, that's, that's pretty legit. And you're gonna you're gonna continue to do your your customs. Are you bringing? Will you be bringing a Reaper to USN or Blade West? I think I will. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, we've we've got a, a handful of Sparrowhawks already finished or in the final stages. I, of I expect and, I expect so to have. Be ready uh, to go. I expect to have a couple of very special Sparrowhawks there. Okay. Yeah, we also for those, have for those parts, who want them parts for some black tie uh, scales. Oh. I'm um, not sure on blade material if we'll branch off from the plain steel. Um, I'm, you know, you guys, you can you can send me your opinion, but I'm thinking stay with the uh, plain steel because it seems people want to carry these things and use them. So mm-hmm, yeah. um, I don't, I don't oh, yeah, see since, any reason to go off since, to Damascus since we have, blade. Since we have a number of these knives ready to go, then... And I, you know, I feel like I have the next month or so to really work on a special piece to bring and and show what I can do. Yeah, there you go. That should be pretty legit. Definitely, that should, that should be good. Yeah. So time for the Eric Ox collaboration. I got the blade ground a couple days ago. That's in there. He's going to be grinding one of the blades, and then I'll we'll do the handle for the one he grinds, and vice versa. Because um, that ox, that ox flipper is like you ground that. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. fucking like insanely legit. Like the plunge line is on point. It's thin as hell. Like that's oh, Eric. Eric, Eric, Eric is a grinding machine. Eric can grind amazing, amazing grinds with the sweeping. You know, it's like I taught him, and you know, I must have forgotten because. <laughs> 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 but uh, the apprentice is eclipsing the master. Maybe <laughs> being used by. The- it's being used by the master. Different <laughs> strengths. Yeah, different yeah. strengths. They work together. We're right. a team. Yeah. Right. So so we'll have we'll we'll have time for that. Hopefully Tom will get that blade ground and sent right. back to us and I'll have time for that and, and to have a third piece, you know, full custom with cool. with you know, hundred plus hours in it. I think that would that'd be really cool to, to really show what I can do. That's legit. Okay. So USN is actually that's USN Blade West, you guys have a, probably a pretty heavy loadout. Um, yeah, we have, we, saw, have several, yeah. we have several okay. uh, we have several customs that we're in the process of finishing and 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 getting started at the same time. Um, yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be a very busy year for us, and we want to get a couple more models started on the uh, semi on the semi customs. Um, okay. And it's all just um, a process of of, of uh, ins and outs and yeah. being able to support the process. Hopefully, I'll have a month this winter. I can go out to Florida and spend with Stan and uh, get out of the weather and and maybe build a couple of knives out there uh, with him. Um, Stan we'll Wilson, see. that is. Yeah, Stan Wilson. Um, Stan's actually me from the future. If anybody wanted to know, <laughs> if anybody was wondering, that's, that's Elijah's future. Stan, don't worry, don't worry. I'll, I'll punch him later. I'll you know, punch him. Yeah, right. I'm sure Stan totally listens to Bladeology. Absolutely. Every episode. Like, every episode. Religiously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you guys are, yeah, you're rocking out the collaborations. You got shows coming up. I mean, this is... Uh, We're doing as much as we can. We're making it happen. That's that's legit. That's legit. Every and then, day in the yeah. shop. So, Bill, you're working on this on this push button right now, too. Like, we were in the shop today. Yep. Um, is, is, this, is this available? Are you bringing this to the show? Undecided? Undecided. 
undecided okay. whether I'm going to offer it up uh, before the show or take it to the show. Um, uh, really, um, you know, I'm, I, I don't like to plan things like that. You know, when I'm building, when I'm doing something that, um, you know, because it's a carved piece, it, it's um, a lot of fun for me. It's not being built for anyone. If anyone really falls in love with it, they fall in love with it. Uh, um, otherwise, it'll come to the show with me and someone will fall in love with it there. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it's a work in progress. I may have to put it to the side because I have some, some very important builds I'm also working on at the same time. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a four-year project to this point. It might be another, you know, oh, uh, it might be another year down the line before it's finished unless I have a reason to finish it. Uh, yeah. Let's get this finished up, that, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just let's get this one. Hey, I like having it a little bit unfinished. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll it'll be done. It'll be it'll be done by Tuesday. It's I'll close. post okay. the yeah, up. It's close. Carving time, you know. It's just, Every, everyone, the scale's got to be cheated and refinished and colored, and then we can we can get it together. All right, I, I like do, it. I might do an Instagram auction with it. I might uh, take it to the uh, to take it to the USN show for an auction piece. Uh, um, I might uh, give it to someone because they love it. Who knows? Um, I love it. You you have <laughs> yeah, it's pretty badass. You didn't even see it in person. I, I, it's super I don't badass. know what you're talking about. I'll, you don't I'll count, say. Nick. Just remember, the lottery is a okay. chance to purchase it. It's not free. Are you are you referring to my lotto? Are you referring to my lotto from the other day? I'm referring to my lotto at Blade West. Oh, <laughs> dude, lotto I, Blade I, West. I, I, I lottered like two days ago, and the winner thought it was a giveaway, so I had to redo it. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, that, that, that happened. Yeah. That happened to us at Blade West. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It happens at every show. I had to happen Blade Blade show as well. Oh wait, no, never yeah. But uh, it happens, you know. It's you know the show the shows are are really not about selling knives to me because you know we all know we can sit back and we can be on Facebook, we can be on Instagram, we can make phone calls, you know, to to collectors. We could sell what we need to sell without going to shows. But you know what? We never get to just hang out with people. Without going to show, and by the way, hey, I'm I'm really happy that Eric and I decided to go over to the hand built here in town and hang out with everyone there. You know, you know yeah, that was you know, great. Jake put on a Jake put on a on a great show. There was a great spread of food, and you know, everyone was just you know just so friendly and so happening. It was, I mean, truly, it's only the second night show I've ever attended where I wasn't on the other side of the table. It was kind of fun. You got a um, chance to relax and just kind of get a chance to relax and, and actually speak to people and, and, you know, just hang out and uh, look at, look at other makers work and, and actually meet other makers because you'd be surprised how many of us makers don't know each other because we're setting up at our booths and we're working the right. entire just show. Passing by for years. We, we just, we just passed by and very familiar with each other's work and just never, that's a good point. We'll never have that chance all about yeah yeah no it was it was cool to um that's uh elijah and i are definitely in portland for the northwest handbuilt invitational so it's the second year and it was awesome to have you guys come out we all got to hang at the show uh make the rounds see everybody uh definitely some schmoozing um but you know that opportunities like that like night shows are so important because like in this case you guys had never or it's very rare that you get to go to a show and not set up but i mean you know, what's important about that is 
collaborations are born out of that. Connections are born out of that. I mean, the it's so valuable to have knife shows. So anybody out there who's ever second-guessing going to a knife show, small, large, in the community, outside of the community, do it. Get to a knife show. Get to a show. Talk with people. You know, it's so important. It's such a it's such a forgotten for our community because of Instagram, don't let the internet spoil Every, a good everybody, thing. Like, everybody, everybody's texting, texting, texting. No yeah. one even picks up a phone and makes a phone call anymore. Right. You know, you, to, you, to meet you someone me is so different. Go to a night show. Yeah, I did call you yesterday. Have you ever <laughs> called me? No. Hey, you. <laughs> Most of the time, I don't call you because I don't want to interrupt you. You might be in the middle. Hey, of he, the he called me. I was driving. I'm like, uh, hey, Bill. <laughs> he pointed the phone at his crotch. I pointed it where you wanted to see, okay? Oh, wow. Wow. Get to knife shows, no matter what. That's the Get to knife shows. It's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of goofy energy. There's a lot of, there's there's guys who work their asses off and they're, and they're hermits 90% of their lives. And they, Mm -hmm. they just, they just need someone to, to expunge and, and to to speak to and to and to to actually interact with and socialize with until they go back home and go back into their hole. And so, um, <laughs> whatever they're bringing, it's it's grim, but it's true. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. It's a very solitary It's very solitary art. Hey, so was knife designing. I have no windows in my shop. I don't know if it's night or day. <laughs> It just well, that, that time just goes by. Hey, nice. Oh, hey, you, you've been in my shop. You've been in my shop. All I can say is that sucks for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when I worked when I worked a long shift. It's like just they, I don't know what the hell what time it is. It just goes by. Oh, I know. This is the first shop I've had with windows. I, even you know, like, in the warehouse working, there's just never there's never windows. Like right. where I am now, yeah, there's yeah, no you, you work in the back. Oh. Yeah. There's no. Like, yeah, there's no, I don't see the light yeah, of day. You, have, like, you, okay. have, you at least have that camera that points at the front where there is a window. Oh, that's <laughs> just like the real thing, Nick. <laughs> I can <laughs> feel the heat of the sun through the goddamn <laughs> yes, camera. Wow, good point, my dude. You could at least check <laughs> if the sun is up or down. You could at least check if the sun's up or down. Yeah, and okay. on that note. Yeah, right, <laughs> on that anecdote, uh, if there's anything else we haven't covered that y'all want to go over now would be the time to do it anybody i'd say just keep a lookout for our new website us on instagram facebook we're going to be getting more and more content up youtube that's that's going to be the next the next goal is to is to bring you guys into the into the shop with us as much as possible that's exciting and show you guys the process all right yeah, get in on YouTube. Yeah, find right. you know, follow follow along with our growth of this company. This is a, a whole new venture this year, um, and and the last six months to a year has been just man. I, I wish I had it recorded, really. Hmm. But um, from here on out, yeah, that's that is the goal is to to be able to give you guys a real inside look to what it takes to to produce these knives. Very cool. All right. Well, I, I know I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure pretty much everybody is because. Nobody gets to see that unless you're us and you're just always pestering people in their shop um, and drinking beer and recording a podcast. Uh, on that note, um, can I get an Eric? Where P- can we find P- you on Instagram? What? Can I get an Eric POV cam? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what you're going to see on YouTube. From which direction are you looking for? Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, find us on Instagram, Touch Knives TCH, and you can also find my own, uh, separate account, Eric Touch E R I C. Um, Instagram, touchknives.com, touch TV on YouTube. Follow along. Thanks a lot. Oh, awesome. Well, you guys, it's been awesome having you on. You know, as always, we try to do these things pretty regularly, but hopefully in the future, we're, we'll do the uh, shorter What's in the Shop episodes. We'll call you up and, and hopefully you can jump on with us, uh, give us a little idea what you're working on. Otherwise, um, I guess we'll see you at the gathering. Yeah, man. This is the next one. Uh, which should be pretty exciting. Um, on that note, I'll sign off. So, Jeremiah Burbank, it's been a pleasure, as always. Uh, my day job is PVK Vegas. Personal Instagram is PVK Jer. Uh, oh. God, just... I thought my mic was Next. off. Come on. Okay, on. So, on, that, on that note, I thought the mic was muted. Okay, on that note, Nick Trooper now. You can find me at NCC Knives on Instagram, nccknives.com, or nccknives at yahoo.com. And this is Elijah Isham. You can find me at Isham Playworks on Instagram. And there was a fish in the percolator on Instagram, also known as Hamish Malays. Good night, everybody. This has been Cletus Cricket and the Tricky Critters.